don't do this. If you take nothing away else about editing, don't do this. You do not have to sit and listen to your entire show. I know it's tempting, but that is a huge time waste. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Freelance Friday podcast, and thank you so much for joining me today. Today, I'm excited to bring you this interview with Anthony Wagner, who happens to be the creator and host of one of my favorite podcasts, Easier. I met Anthony at a networking event about a year ago when he was first kind of starting his show, and it's come a long way since then, and I'm sure that we can all learn a lot from his podcasting success. In addition to his podcast, he also owns Lightning Technology, a company that provides in-home computer repair services to folks in Metro Detroit, as well as web design and digital marketing services to folks everywhere. So thanks for being here, Anthony, and welcome to the show. Oh my God, thank you so much. I've been so excited to be on the show since you asked me. I've listened for a while and we kind of started talking forever ago about podcasting, so it's really excited to to finally be on your show. Yeah, no, I'm excited to have you. Like I said, I... Um, I always say Anthony is my like professional podcasting friend because <laughs> your show is just so well put together and just everything that goes along with it is like I was just, you know, scrolling through your website this week to prepare for this interview and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like legit. So yeah, I'm excited to um, have you on because definitely a lot of the people who listen to the show are kind of in that place where they know a little bit about podcasting or maybe they have their show, you know, they have a show of their own already, but they're just not really at that level where it feels professional and it feels like a business. So I think you will have a lot of good things to share. Yeah, I'm really, I love this topic. Like ultimately, you know, I'm still growing the show. It's, I'm just about to hit the one year mark next week, actually. I'll be, have been doing the show just for a year, but, and they say it takes three years to really fully get your show matured. Um, So I've got a lot of growing to do, but what I've learned in in this year doing this show, it's been great. So I'm really excited to, to share it with other people. Awesome. All right. So I gave a little brief introduction of you, but do you want to just tell the folks out there kind of who you are and how you got started on this journey on this podcasting and entrepreneurial journey that you've been on? Yeah. So, you know, this has been like a super long and windy and random road that I've been on. I mean, I started, I consider all of these things like blogging and podcasting and, and, you know, I'm kind of starting to get a little bit more into video, all this stuff kind of in the content marketing realm. And I started that, God, it was probably like in 2015 and I just didn't know what in the world I was doing. I had no idea. Um, So I was just interested in kind of getting online. And I honestly, at first didn't even really know what I wanted to talk about. And I went through like three different like I went through three different areas of, of topics that I wanted to try and they didn't work, but I learned so incredibly much, even though the projects never really took off anywhere. I learned so much about how to, how to engage online and, and how to develop content and things like that. So I started those and then, you know, I was, I really got started down this journey when I, when I began listening to Gretchen Rubin's podcast called Happier. And I know we talk about her, like I bring her up every time I talk to you, but, um, <laughs> her show is just fantastic. Yeah. I just saw her a couple weeks ago live. She was in Detroit and her show Happier was kind of the inspiration for me to start thinking, oh, there are people out there who love talking about kind of making life better. And that was where I was like, you know, I have lots of stuff and things that she doesn't talk about on the show. It's not like I'm copying her outright, but there's an audience out there for people who like this kind of content. And I was kind of sitting in my living room where I basically am right now. 
And I had this idea, like, let's talk about making life easier. That was the, the, the crux of the show. And I sat in my recliner in my living room and I like jotted down, I probably came up with like 150 ideas just right there, just flew out of me. And I was like, this is how I know I'm onto something with this because of how easy it was. So I told myself, I was like, all right, you're going to do this. You need to sit down and do, you need to record three episodes of a podcast. And I had no idea what I was doing. Mm. Right. I like watched some tutorial videos from Pat Flynn and you know, whatever. And I had like a, a a blue Yeti microphone, you know, basic, a lot of people, podcasters use that microphone. Mm -hmm. And I told myself, okay, you got to do three of these and you need, you have to get them done in three weeks. And I sat down, put a bunch of stuff together and in two days I had recorded five episodes. So I was <laughs> like, okay, this is a thing. And I've been going ever since. I've done a year, 52 weeks now I've done um, of episodes consistently. So that's how I ended up here. And then for Lightning, that's you know a totally different story. When I was 18, I decided, you know, I can do computer repair. I had this experience with my mom. She worked for a gentleman who had some computer problems. I was 18, just graduated from high school. And he said to her, oh yeah, I got to take my computer to Best Buy. They told me I'm going to lose all my stuff. I'm going to spend all this money and I have to, they have to, and I said, no, 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 wait a minute. So I went out to his house and I had the computer fixed in 20 minutes and it didn't cost him hundreds of dollars and he lost nothing. So I decided right then, I was like, I can do this better than them. And I've been doing that ever since. So I've got clients all over Metro Detroit and you know I, I do computer repair and all and it's just branched from there so that's kind of the schmushed version into <laughs> two minutes of of how i came to be where i am now yeah that's awesome so we'll we'll definitely take a deeper dive into the podcast but can you yes. tell us a little bit more about um, I know we kind of had like a mini session recently where anthony helped me out with my computer which was so helpful honestly i felt like <laughs> I felt like a bad business owner <laughs> because no, I didn't mean for that. To no, happen, no, I mean, but it was like serious warnings. Yeah, like, you better fix this. Yeah, soon. it was like tough love. It was like, oh my gosh, like this stuff is important. You know, as a business owner, I think that's just something that a lot of us don't think about. So, are there any like common things that you see that maybe just like a couple of quick tips that you'd have for people specifically using their computers for for business that maybe you see in your business a lot that you'd recommend that we not do or do do? <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Like there are several. And I think the biggest one that comes to mind was actually where I kind of was like, okay, Latasha, let's have some real talk right now. You're about to destroy your entire business <laughs> if you don't fix this. And I was like raising the red flag and being super serious at the same time. It's like, it's not as it's not immediately critical, but if you're not keeping a backup of your computer files, that is, it's just a huge risk that you run. And I, I see this all the time where folks, first of all, it's kind of a complicated world in, in the tech space where people don't know what solution they need. They don't know if they need to be spending money. They don't know if they, you know, how often or what tool it's, it's, it's difficult. So I get why a lot of people are not in the space where their stuff is backed up, but tech best practice is that you keep at least one additional copy of your data and like I said it's best practice to keep that copy in a separate physical location from your main source so right so you have a laptop and you're working on that laptop and you're creating files for your business it's invoices or if you're creative you know you're you're creating illustrator files or whatever I mean there's all kinds of stuff you're writing a book 
those things would be absolutely irreplaceable. And so you need to keep a separate copy. And the reason I say it should be in a separate physical location is because, you know, hope this never happens, of course, but if you ever have a catastrophic disaster in your physical space, meaning a fire, a flood, um, something happened, like even something could fall off a wall. Mm -hmm. If you're keeping your, your external, like you keep your, an external hard drive for a backup, which is not what I recommend, (laughs) but if you keep an external drive for a backup, and something falls off your wall and falls both onto the computer and that drive, you're out of luck. Mm -hmm. All the work you did keeping a backup didn't work for you because it burned up in a fire or whatever. Hopefully that never happens, but that's why it's best practice. So um, that's a big thing. I actually recommend using um, a cloud backup tool. And what's interesting is you bring this up, but my episode 42 of my podcast that I just recorded is called Avoid Disaster, How to Backup Your Computer Files, where this is what I talked about for that episode um, because backups are so critical. Um, just a quick recommendation. If you're going to go with anything, my recommendation is if you've got less than 200 gigs of data, go with Google Drive. If you've got more than that, go with OneDrive by Microsoft. So that's my kind of quick and dirty. But anyone can go to my show for episode 42 and listen to that. And it go, I go into full details there. So it's just interesting. You brought that up. That's what I just got done talking about oh, awesome. a couple weeks ago. Yeah, no, that's yep. great. And I'll be sure to link that episode in the show notes for you guys to check out too. Um, yeah, that's great advice. I really, really appreciated our, our conversation um, yeah. about my laptop. It was like super simple I felt like you know I don't feel like we took a ton of time but it was really really helpful no. so definitely recommend you know people reach out to lightning if you're in the same position as I am or I was yeah I'd be happy to do any kind of consultation um, those kinds of things you know one other thing I can say is if you're um, this is another tip a lot of people don't know and this one is super easy and free and people don't know why it works and I think understanding why it works is helpful I do. I work for a school district. I'm this, the chief technology officer for a school district, and I see lots of computer problems day in and day out, also from my clients. And they run into, you know, sluggishness. Their computer has slowed down, and it never was that way before. And they don't understand why. And um, or there's other like little problems, like the internet's not connecting, or my printer's not printing. The best. And it's, it's, it's so simple. It seems like this can't actually be a solution. The best thing that you can do in any situation where something was working and no longer is, is reboot the devices involved, (laughs) right? So restart your computer. I know it sounds so Mm -hmm. stupid, but I'm telling you 85% of the time it fixes the problem and you don't have to call anyone or do anything. If you've got a computer and a printer problem, reboot them. If you can't connect to the internet, reboot your computer and your router or or in your modem if you've got that. Um, Those things. And then the reason it works for a computer, like if your machine is slowing down, the reason it works there is because as you cl- open and close programs, as they, they close, they don't completely close. They leave a little bit of residue, basically, in the memory. And so it's called a memory leak. And as over time, if you haven't rebooted your computer in a hot second, uh, that, that builds up and it causes some of that sluggishness. So a reboot, always a good first step. Every time a computer problem happens, reboot the machine. Love it. So simple, but yep. so important. <laughs> Okay. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I'm glad that you brought up your job because one would probably think by looking at all of the amazing things that you do in your business and your podcast that this is like your full-time thing, but you actually have a full-time gig as well. So can you talk a little bit about how you juggle all of the different things in your life? And um, do you have any tips for that, for kind of managing your side hustle slash side hustles? <laughs> Yeah. So, you know what? It's really funny, this topic that you just brought up, because literally today, 
right before this at 10 o'clock this morning i was recording my final episode of season two of the show and the the show just as a note if people are going to listen continues um every week it'll just be kind of a hiatus with some little episodes um for the next couple months but I recorded the final episode of season two today, which was about basically exactly this topic, <laughs> Perfect. which is how, basically how to juggle. So that'll be out on Wednesday. Um, uh, it'll be Wednesday, the 29th of May, because we're recording pretty early. But um, it's about the idea of creating a weekly routine. This is a huge, huge time saver. So the short and dirty version of this is that people think that routines can be limiting or can be restrictive, or they can suck creativity out of your life. And I argue the complete opposite of that. I believe that a weekly routine creates basically little manageable buckets of time. When you think about you know, your ideal week, Michael Hyatt would say, plan for your ideal week. If you could control every single minute of your time, what would you spend it doing? Obviously, that's never going to happen, right? You're never going to get that level of control. But you plan for the ideal. And when you do that, when you're actually planning like blocks of time. So for me, for instance, I record my podcast easier on Sunday mornings every week. And that's got a block every week. And what that allows me to do is I never have to worry. Oh my God, I got to do my podcast. I'm going to forget. I can't, I can't forget to do that. Nope. I know that I don't have to think about it outside of that time block. And when I'm in that time block, I can focus because I also know that my other things are attended to. Now, my weekly routine is a living document. I actually have a a physical, um, not a physical, but a digital document that has this in it. And that is what I find really helps me to feel at ease with my with my weeks. You know, I do have to juggle between lightning, between easier and between my work at the at the school. So it does get tough. But that is number one. Number two, the other thing I'll say is making sure, and I'm not so great at this, I got to get better, um, that I'm taking enough time for rest and for another Michael Hyatt term, rejuvenation. Mm -hmm. Finding enough time in the week to block out specific periods of time for rest, for non-work activities to allow my brain to kind of release. And that's been really important. So that's a a struggle that I've been having that I'm starting to work on more right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of inevitable when you have a a side hustle. You definitely are gonna sacrifice something, but it's, you know, I think as long as you're aware of it and you're trying and you're you're making it a priority, um, that's a big step. And I know too, when I was still working my full-time job for me, I found that they both kind of fed off of each other in a way too. Like I took things that I learned from my day job into my side hustle and I would, you know, test out things in my business that I wouldn't have a chance to in my day job and then take that expertise back. Do you feel like that there's any kind of crossover in, in your different gigs that you have or are they all like very different? Well, I can say it's actually a little bit of both. So what I've been finding is that another struggle I've been dealing with lately is trying to figure out the best solution for managing my tasks. And I've got pretty rigid boundaries between, you know, my morning and evening and then my the middle of my day for work that they, they don't overlap. But I'm starting to wonder if I need to relax those boundaries. But also, having said that, I find that I learn a lot in both domains 
that does help to feed, you know, as I'm learning things at work, there are things that I definitely come up with that, oh, I can apply that to, you know, client mm-hmm. relations, you know, as I'm working with the my coworkers, because I do desktop support as part of my job, as I figure that out, you know, how to put a system in place to better handle that, oh, this could inform, you know, my systems elsewhere. So they definitely overlap, but I do have kind of a dividing line between the, the areas of my life. For sure, yeah. Cool, well, that's really helpful. Um, Let's get into podcasting. Let's t- let's take a little yeah. bit of a deep dive into everything that you did to uh, get your show to yes. where it is. I first thing that I was just kind of jotting down when you're sort of introducing easier. You talked about your first sort of recording session and how you ended up with like five episodes pretty much that first time. And that's something that a lot of people come to me and they say, you know, I really want to start a podcast, but I'm worried I'm not going to have enough to say, or like, I don't know what topic to make my podcasting, to make my podcast about. So, you know, you talked a bit about Gretchen Rubin having inspiration from her podcast, but how did you know that that was the right topic for you? And how important do you think having, you know, a niche or a dedicated topic to your show is? So uh, incredibly. And first, I've got some some kind of real talk as I talk to people about podcasting because I get people asking me now, like, what did you do? How did you get started? Um, I give them kind of the real talk speech first, because if you can't come to grips with this thing I'm going to talk about in just a second, maybe podcasting isn't for you. Content marketing isn't the the big word. The buzzword is consistency. Right. So I I tell people this up front because I don't want it to be a shocker, you know, six weeks in and they don't feel like recording and then suddenly their audience is gone. The one that the little audience that they built in that time. Consistency is by far the biggest, the biggest thing I would say to people that you, you know, if you're going to put out a weekly show, that's what I do. Now there's all different kinds. There are people who do monthly, bi-weekly, and some even do daily, which is, I don't know how they do that, but uh, they must have a team of people. But um If you're going to do, say, a weekly show, you need to be aware that that means that you are committing for however long you're going to do your show. Like if you don't have an anticipated end date, I don't, um, that that means you're going to be doing 52 episodes a year. And that means that you've got to have time to record or to, to kind of create an outline, record and then edit and produce all those episodes. So if that's something that as you're thinking to yourself, oh, I want to do a podcast and you're like, that is too crazy something's got to give. You've either got to, you know, decide, okay, maybe I'm going to do a bi-weekly show or maybe this isn't for me. So that's number one, get over that. And once you're past that, once you're past the idea that, okay, I'm, I can be consistent, then everything kind of is a little easier from there. Um, so the, the topic is, I think, another really big thing to give yourself the freedom to think about in advance. And give yourself time. You know, it's, it's really, when you start a project, we kind of all, and I mean, I say all, a lot of people, myself included, you come up with a new idea and there's like this rare, you know, raring to go. I'm really excited. I want to get started. I want to do this thing right now. Um, which is great. That burst of energy up front. But what you have to do is give yourself time to consider that topic. So you mentioned niche Mm -hmm. and there is another book that I read. And I think this came from content Inc by Joe Polizzi, yeah, that's it was it's it's a phenomenal book. Um, I would highly recommend folks read it if they're going to get into this space of content marketing. But this idea that your topic should be in an area that you are both passionate about and proficient in, right? So you should have some skill and you should have some passion. And where those things overlap is a good topic for you. 
And that's a good starting point to kind of come up with ideas. But then the big thing that I think some folks miss is this aspect of you can, some people call it like niching down, but another way to think of it is called a content tilt. And this is what I borrowed from that book, Content Inc. A content tilt is basically what differentiates your topic from everything else that's already out there. So you kind of need to be aware. You need to do a little bit of research to see what else is out there, but you need to ask yourself, all right, of all of the other shows that exist, why would somebody pick mine and listen to that first? And if you can identify that passion and skill overlap area and then put a tilt to it. So, you know, you come up with, okay, this is why my show is different. Then you've got, kind of the foundation to start building on. And then from there, the next thing, if you can't come up with a series of topics, you know, right off the top of your head as you're planning, you may want to think about that topic a little more. If it's, if, it, if you're like struggling to come up with five, 10 topics of things to talk about, you may really struggle down the line. I mean, I'm serious. When I started easier now, my, my topic, my show, it can be a little bit broader. You know, some shows might be a lot more narrow, but if you can't come up with 15, 20 topics, like right off the bat, you know, give some consideration. I came up with like a hundred, 150, mm-hmm. like just flew out of me as I came up with the show. So those are some things for sure to consider consistency, the content tilt, and do you have enough content to start? Once you're started with those things, if you got those down, you are in a good shape to get a, a, a show up and running. That's great advice. And, and I know that you, I believe you said you don't really batch your content. Is that true? That is true. So that doesn't, and this is something that really, I think comes down to personal preference. So for some folks, you know, I know I listen to Amy Porterfield's online marketing made easy podcast, and she talks about batching all the time. Michael Hyatt is another author. Listen, I know, I'm pretty sure you've said that you batch your shows. Yeah, I batch everything. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And I know that that works for some folks and I tried that for me, but what ended up happening was, um, my routine doesn't, it didn't really work because I found that I would do, I did for a little bit, I did like four episodes in a batch. And from there, then I would go and I would have all this, this gap time between when I didn't have to think about it anymore. Cause it was kind of on autopilot, but then pulling it back off autopilot and onto, and <laughs> manual, I kind of got into a spot where I was like, Oh my, my content, like the, the timing of the episodes doesn't work. And it just, mm-hmm. for me, it didn't work. So I find kind of having that routine of doing my episode recording, like I outline and record on Sunday morning and then I batch or I, I edit and um, produce and, and schedule on Monday morning. And those are the two days I've really gotten my process down. So it only takes those two blocks and I'm done and I don't have to think about it the rest of the week. So that's what works for me. But I know that for a lot of folks, batching really is effective. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point, though. And and I think you're right. I mean, when I first started, I, I batched like the whole season besides the interviews, because I wanted to make sure the interviews were like within a month, you know, so people could expect them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, after that season was done, then I was kind of like, oh, my gosh, like I kind of freaked out a little bit because I wasn't in that groove of things. So now I do batch, but I would say like I batch, you know, four or five episodes at a time as opposed to like 20. <laughs> so it's a yeah. little bit of a compromise there. But I love what you said about just coming up with topics. Like if you can come up with 15 or 20 topic ideas, that's probably a good route for you to go down. I think it's, you know, it's like it's something of a batch, if you will. Like you're batching the topic ideas, you're getting the ideas flowing. 
without actually right. necessarily doing all of the work and recording all the episodes. But you know, I, I would hate for somebody to start a show, like you said, on a topic that they're really passionate about. And then they're like, wait a second, I actually don't know what I'm going to say after they've launched and you know, they start to build an audience and they just kind of like fizzle out. So I think that initial maybe brainstorming session is a really important piece of the puzzle. Yeah, I completely agree that, you know, it's a lot, especially getting started when you're trying to learn. This is a new skill, right? It's a it's a series of things that you don't know about from, you know, all the technical aspects to the equipment to creating the... There's a lot of stuff that goes into this. And by no means do I think that this is kind of an exclusive thing that you have to have special expertise to do. Absolutely not. Now, I granted, I'm a tech person. And so I had some of that as a leg up, but you do not need that. There are so many resources out there, including the episode of this show that help you to get started. But there's a lot to, to do up front to, to kind of get off the ground. There's a lot of like inertia you've got to overcome. Mm-hmm. So it's a bummer if you don't do the planning I think well enough up front, at least well enough to know that, yes, I've got a topic that's viable and that I can talk about. You're never going to know if you're going to get that audience right up front, whether people are going to like it. But the first couple things, if you don't do that planning, you're, you're not setting yourself up for the best possible outcome. Yeah, absolutely. And is there anything else? I know that you mentioned you outline on Sundays as well, too. So what do those outlines look like? And, and beyond just that, are there any other organizational type things that you do to prepare your shows every week? Ooh, you're pressing like my type A nerd button right now. (laughs) That makes me happy. I love talking tools and best practices. That's like my whole show. So yeah, this is good. So the first thing that I will say is this is borrowing from David Allen's getting things done method, but the idea that you should never try to store your ideas in your head because that's not what your brain is meant for. Your brain is meant to create ideas, not to store them. And so if you're trying to keep everything smushed in your head, you're going to forget things and you're going to drive yourself crazy. So the first thing I will say is come up with some method of getting those ideas out of your head and somewhere, whether that's a notebook, whether that's a sticky note, whether it's the back of a net, I don't care what it is, but find some way. The way I use is actually a digital method and I use a combination of Todoist, which is a task management app, and Trello, which is also a task management and kind of project management tool. And what I found when I was planning for my show, the big struggle I had before was kind of creating my editorial calendar, right? People talk about this idea of an editorial calendar. It sounds super fancy. All it is is it's a structure of when what content is going to go live. Like, so it's your ideal you know, organization of, I'm going to talk about this topic on this episode of the show. I'm going to talk about this topic, blah, blah, blah. That's all that is. But what I found was every way I tried to manage it, I didn't have enough flexibility in my, my tools. Like I would type all these um, ideas out, which I still do. And I keep a, like a running list, but then trying to organize them into the flow of a show uh, or in the, you know, into an editorial calendar, it was kind of a pain. I couldn't move things around easily. And that's where the tool Trello has been just a lifesaver. So I had, I kind of used Trello on and off for task management in the past. And if you're, if folks aren't familiar with this tool, basically it allows you to create lists and you put cards on the list that can then be dragged back and forth. So the simplest example is you can create to do, doing, and done lists. Mm-hmm. And then you create all the things in your to do. And then as they're, as you're working on them, you move them into doing, and then finally into done. And that doesn't work so well for me, but for editorial content is phenomenal because I can put my ideas on a card, drag them underneath each header. So I create 
um, each month. And then underneath that, I have week one, two, three, four, or however many weeks. And then the, the ideas go right underneath and I can flip them around and drag them out and, and change them super easily. So if I decide as I get up on Sunday, eh, I don't feel like talking about this today, I can quickly swap it out and put in a new idea. So that's amazing. So that's first. And then you asked about my outlines. So what I try to do when I outline my show, I don't, I definitely don't script. And I think some people script their shows. Obviously you and I are not, <laughs> this is not a scripted show. <laughs> um, I don't script because I think um, it, it, it doesn't lend itself to this type of content. Now, if you're doing like a storytelling show, mm-hmm. by all means, you can script that out. But for kind of more free flowing, if you're doing a solo or a dialogue show, uh, maybe you can script your intro outro, but don't script the whole thing. I outline, I just kind of, um, so I have a, a website for my show, which is easiercast.com and I, it's a WordPress site. So I just open up a new blog post basically. And I type out my outline of the, the kind of the high bullet points that I want to talk about. And then I just go, you know, I don't spend too much time. I try to think about, all right, have I talked about this on a previous episode? Should I pull that episode so I can talk about it in the show? Any other like books or things or quotes? It depends on the, the topic, of course. But, you know, I, I don't spend too much time. I maybe spend 30 to 45 minutes max typing out a quick outline. And then I allow the content to kind of happen during the recording. And I find that a lot of time I remember things as I'm recording that I didn't even include in my outline. And of course, I include them then. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so tell me a little bit about what you use to actually record your podcast. Let's talk about tech and equipment. What do you use? Yeah, so I think that you and I both started with the same microphone, which is completely acceptable. This is a a very decent mic. It's the um, blue... Either yet, I don't know if you use the Yeti or the Snowball. Which one did you, you I use? I started with the Snowball. Me yeah. too. Um, <laughs> a lot of people now do. That's, you know what? Yes, they do. And it's because it's so affordable. I mean, it's, you know, it's, I think it was like 50 bucks maybe. Yeah, if To that. get that, it's it's USB. Yeah, right. And you can get it at Best Buy. You can get it locally in stores. You don't have to spend a ton of money. It's a USB microphone, meaning you don't have to have any other sound equipment to use it it's not it just plugs right into your computer's usb port and it's pretty good right you can get some decent quality sound out of your show starting with that microphone now i learned some things about sound technique right that the biggest thing that i learned is that even sitting six inches away or you know six to twelve inches away from your microphone you're gonna sound like you're a hundred feet away (laughs) in your final recording you you have to almost like right now I'm sitting in front of my mic which is a Shure SM7B mic and that's a pretty fancy microphone but I love the sound quality it gives me so I splurge for this but I'm sitting like my lips are almost touching the microphone as I'm speaking like I am maybe an inch away from it. So that's big. I think for folks, I wish I had known that for my first couple episodes because they sound like I'm recording in like a lecture hall and I'm super far away. So I actually went back after I, you know, upgraded my sound and figured stuff out and I recorded with my new good sounding mic, a little disclaimer that said, Hey, my audio quality sucks for these episodes, but stick around till episode seven when it sounds better. I'm sorry. Mm, That's a really good idea. Um, I should do that. (laughs) Yeah, I stuck that. Yeah. And it's just it doesn't say that it sucks. Like it says, you know, I was learning and I it definitely is. You can hear everything, but, you know, stick around because the thing is, is that an audience, they expect a certain level of sound quality because podcasting is becoming so um, popular that people expect a certain level 
of quality. And if they listen to that first episode and they're like, oh, this person doesn't know what, what they're doing, like they might bail on your show before they actually get any of the content. So, um, you know, I, I would say that, you know, the, the blue um, snowball the, is, is definitely a place you can start. And the Yeti is like the next step up from that. I think that one's also USB, mm-hmm. which is convenient. And then um, speak close to the mic. That's that's important, like, you know, just an inch or two away. Um, and then if you really get into it, then definitely consider upgrading. The Yeti is good. But then if you're going to go beyond that, you get into mics that are like standard microphones, which are have the, they're called XLR cables. They're those big round things like you think of like a pro plugging in a mic on a stage. It's that kind of a cable. And then you need an interface, right? Meaning so your computer doesn't have that port to take that device. You need something in between to kind of adapt that cord to USB. So that gets a little bit more expensive, but um, if you're really serious about your show, ultimately, and you want that really pro quality sound, um, I think it's worth, I I thought it was worth the upgrade, and so I ended up up going that route. Mm -hmm. And do you use like a shock mount or anything with your microphone, or is there a stand? Because it's more of a sort of traditional looking microphone that you have, right? Yeah, so it's called, like I said, it was Shure, S-H-U-R-E, S-M-7-B. That's the, you know, technical or the, the model number for the, the mm-hmm. mic. And yeah, it looks like, um, this is a, a mic that a lot of pros use, podcasters. It's good for spoken word. There's there's a whole bunch of, like, sound stuff, technical aspects. There's different types of mic, cardioid and condenser, and there's all these different things that you can consider. I spent way too much time researching what mic. I mean, it paid off, but... Um, I spent a lot of time researching the mic and so, yeah, you're going to want, like if you get a, a snowball, right, it comes with a little tripod, which is fine, but I would still recommend getting a, like a boom arm. And so you said a shock mm-hmm. mount, that's like you put the microphone inside of that thing and it helps to absorb, like if the, the microphone gets bumped or your table gets bumped or whatever, it helps to absorb that sound. Um, I the the mic that I use I just attach to I got it really like for like 20 bucks at Guitar Center this mic it's just a table mount it's got like a really heavy base and it's got an arm that extends off of it that helps keep it right in front of my mouth and that works for me like I the nice thing about it is it's not attached to anything so like the boom arm that I had you had to like screw it onto the table mm-hmm. um and that you know it just depends on what your setup is but this one just sits right on the on the desktop and it's got like a heavy base and then I just store it in a bag. I don't keep it all out all the time because I only use it once a week and um, I store it in a bag so it's out of sight and it it, it works well um, the, and it's not super expensive. The, I spent the money on the microphone. You know, I spent, uh, I think these microphones, I think the, the, the SM7Bs are in the three to $400 range. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And, um, and what about the actual environment that you record in? Are you recording just at a table in a closet like I do? (laughs) (laughs) So let me say this. I, you know, I dropped that, that number and I didn't, um, qualify it with, you do not have to spend that much money to get started. Do not think that don't, you don't ever have to spend that much money. So don't let that deter you. But back on your question. So when I first started, I started, I'm, I live currently in a one bedroom apartment, so it's not very big. And I have to wait basically till my boyfriend is out of the house so I can record because you don't want all that background noise. Um, but, and I started when I was using my old mic in that boom arm, I actually just had it set up permanently in my walk-in closet in my bedroom. But since then, I found that when I switched to this microphone, the audio quality is such that I can just sit at my my actual desk 
And so I don't do anything fancy. You know, people talk about, I mean, some podcasters go just crazy. Mm -hmm. They like build out a whole room and they have like all this crazy like padding and stuff to absorb the sound. And that's why a closet's good because all the clothes absorb the sound, which is great. That's It's an awesome little kind of pseudo recording studio if that's all you've got. But for me with this mic and then, you know, we can talk about the tools when we get into editing. Um, what I do, you know, the, the tool handles noise reduction pretty well. And so if you go and listen to my show, every so often you'll get something like a bird will chirp in the background or whatever. And at this point, I think that's a, we'll talk about over editing. Um, that's it's, it is, you know, we're humans. We live in sound environments. That's okay. Um, but for the most part, you're not going to hear any sound in my background. Like it, it works with this mic and the, the tools that I use, but a closet is definitely a good go-to if that's all you got. Yeah, I love that. And I love what you said about not necessarily having to spend, you know, $400 or whatever it is to get started. My boyfriend's a professional radio host. And so like, even Mm -hmm. when it comes to the setup and the tech and stuff, I could probably take a cue from him, but I just, I just don't. And that's okay. Like that's, that's not the style of my show. And, um, you know, my show is a little bit more raw and, you know, just kind of personal. So I've been fine. Like, it's fine. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to, you know, spend a ton of money. You can work your way up too. I think, I think I'm at a point now where I'm ready to kind of like up my production a little bit. I'm like, okay, I need to get a bit more serious, but (laughs) you know, for the past year and a half or whatever, it's been fine. It's totally fine. So you can work your way up and make small little investments that pay off over time for sure. Yeah, I I definitely don't recommend that folks go crazy and get like the most high-end stuff right at first because it's worth testing trial and error to see, okay, do I have the right topic? Do I really love doing this? Can I be consistent in my commitment to the show? You know, the tools, that's that's one of my kind of weaknesses is I always love all the the latest gadgets and tools and I love buying you know the latest the best pens and the the best notebook and the the you know and the best equipment and then sometimes it's like I buy the stuff and then I never use it (laughs) so it's like putting the cart before the horse Mm -hmm. here definitely go with the lower end stuff um not because it's going to make your sound like worse or anything but just because you know test the commitment you're going to have a couple of expenses as you do this um the first is obviously you need the equipment and you're going to have to have a computer um but then you also have to consider how you're going to host your show and that's another expense and maybe if you want me to talk about that a little bit i can um but that's another expense so there's things you're going to be spending your money on that it's not necessary to go like crazy all out on the most expensive microphone and equipment it's just not necessary. And I think that actually prices some people out of even being able to do it and they don't need to be that everyone can be included even at a low budget. Yep. For sure. Last question about recording. Yeah. How do you record your interviews? Yeah. So it's actually how we record too. Mm -hmm. Um, I use a tool called zoom and that's what we are actually recording on right now. And zoom is actually a pretty great tool. Like the audio quality is good. Um, you can, so there's a little bit of a technical thing. It took me a while to wrap my mind around how this worked, but you and I are sitting in two separate physical locations. You're, I'm imagining are at home and so am I. And, um, so what I, what we do is we talk over, it's basically like Skype, but zoom allows you to record both sides of the call. And what it does is it gives you the option to turn on the it allows you to record a separate file for each person so it's like you have the the sound file with all the waves that jump up and down and it'll separate it out so as you talk your waves your recording records and then as i talk mine does and the 
The benefit of that is you can do it just as one file and just put that out as your show. But for better audio quality, what we're doing is I'm actually recording and the tool that I use is called Audacity. I'm on Windows, but I think GarageBand is the one of the tools. There's some others for Mac. You could probably speak more to the Mac tools. Um, but the the tools that are used for recording, I record also in my own tool. And then what you do is you take the one from Zoom, that recording where it's both way, you know, both sound files, you put them up, and then you can use your own better recordings because the sound quality is much better when you record locally instead of over the internet. You use the, the Zoom one to line up your recordings, your better ones. So they line right up, and then you can just delete the Zoom one. You don't need it anymore. And you've got this pro sounding audio without having to sit in person and record on the same mic or anything like that. And it, it just works. It took me a while to wrap my mind around that. So that's a, a I'm glad you brought it up um, because I think it's useful. People feel intimidated about guests and this is a, it's a great way to do it. And Zoom is free for just two people. Mm-hmm. So it's great. It's no other expense using that tool. Yeah. I always ask, like to ask people what they use because I have tried so many different tools and this is what I've ended up settling on after like a year and a half of trying pretty much every, mm-hmm. you know, podcasting interview tool out there. This is honestly the best solution in my opinion. The other ones I just feel I like are so like I had connection issues. I lost some of my interviews and like you're like you said, Zoom is free. <laughs> so some of the yep. other ones are, you know, 15 bucks a month or something, which isn't terrible, but if it's an expense you don't need to need to have, then why have it? So Absolutely. And I mean, I've tried, I don't want to like call out other tools by name because, you know, those folks, I'm sure they're trying to do the best work they can. Um, And I've tried others and I had the exact same thing where it was like audio cutting in and out and it was designed like Zoom is just a meeting tool. Lots of businesses use Zoom for their um, video conferencing and whatnot. But um, other tools that are specifically designed for podcasting. I find to be inferior to, to Zoom. It just works. It allows you to record those separate audio files. And yeah, I mean, if you want to do bigger stuff, you've, you've got to pay. Mm-hmm. But for just two people, we got on, we can schedule a meeting and talk, no cost, and it just works. So Zoom is the tool I would use absolutely as well. Yep. Awesome. Okay, and then for editing your podcast, what do, yes. you, what do you use? I think you had just mentioned Audacity. Is that what you edit on as That's well? Right. Yep. I record and edit in Audacity. And that's actually a, uh, I think some snootier podcasters might look down on that because it's a free tool, but I find, you know what, I, again, I don't care that it's free. I'm not looking to spend a bazillion dollars on what is currently just a hobby. Um, you know, I enjoy doing this and, uh, I find that it gets the job done very well out of curiosity. I know there's a tool and I'm blanking on what one you use for Mac, but I don't think it's GarageBand. It's something else, right? Yes. I use Adobe or Adobe audition. Um, oh, okay. You use audition, but honestly, <laughs> this is like my podcasting secret that I'm ashamed to admit. I edit, <laughs> I, well, I cut most of my shows in final cut pro which is, that's yeah, it. that's the one I couldn't remember final, which cut. is a video editing. Like that's what I used to edit my videos. And yep. I just, whatever works, right. Because I've been editing videos for so long. I mean, like 10 years or something like that. It's just so easy for me to cut um, yep. quickly. And then what I'll do is I'll export the audio and I'll do, you know, like leveling and, and audio specific editing in audition, but there's also GarageBand. I think you can do audacity for Mac too. So there's lots of options. Yes, you can. I like Audacity because it's specifically a um, 
sound tool, but I will tell you that when I first started my show, oddly enough, I was recording in Camtasia, which is another video tool. Mm -hmm. And I started there, but then I moved into Audacity because I just don't need all the video stuff. And I will tell you that when you get Audacity, first of all, it's a, it's a really great tool and it is completely free, which is another, you know, I always look for the free tools. Can I accomplish the same result or better with a free tool before I pay for something? And Audacity is totally free. Um, and it allows me to do the stuff that I need to do. And I've like, there's this principle, I believe it's called the Pareto principle that 80% of your, you know, your stuff can be done with 20% of the features. And that is absolutely true with audacity that I use probably not even God, not even 20% of the stuff that there's so many tools there. And I think maybe that's intimidating to folks, but when you slice out all the crap you don't need, um, the tool is excellent. So, you know, I record in it. And then at the beginning of every episode, I leave 10 seconds of silence. And I do that because once I'm done recording, I stop and I immediately save the the file. That's the next step in my workflow is just in case I don't want to lose the recording. So I save and then I do, there's a tool in there called noise reduction. And you take a clip, like you, you drag a section and I drag that blank sound. So it picks up any like background, like sound. If you've got, you know, a, a heater or your air conditioner or whatever, make sure it's quiet in your background. But any of that like little background stuff, it detects that you use that. It's called get noise profile in the noise reduction tool. You then select the whole recording and hit remove noise. And it does the whole thing all at once. Super easy. Then I cut out that time and then I apply, I have, I watched a few videos on YouTube of people talking about Audacity. That's another thing. There's a ton of tutorial videos out there for folks. That's how I started. But I watched one person who was like, get the best audio quality, whatever. And so I tried his stuff and lo and behold, the settings worked. So I created in Audacity, they used to call it chains, but now they're called macros. And it's another, it's a fancy term that scares people off. But basically I apply the same effects to every episode where it adjusts the the sound levels and everything. And I hit two buttons. I hit tools or three, apply macro and podcast episode effects. I hit that and it goes, the whole thing is optimized. I don't have to do a thing. Hmm. And then I just go through and I cut out the little sections and I have a, a little trick that I discovered actually watching a, an online course where he, the, I'm really glad he did this. The, the guy who created the course forgot to edit out his mistakes in one of his videos, but it showed how he did it. And I was like, Oh my God, that's brilliant. Mm -hmm. So now whenever I make a mistake and it's not very much, we can talk about, I I mentioned a bit ago over editing, but whenever I make a mistake that it's like, okay, I really have to cut that out. I take my finger, just my finger, because I don't want to damage my microphone, but I take my finger and I do like this on my microphone. And I don't even know if you Mm -hmm. could hear that, but I tapped it twice on the, um, on the, the windscreen, the foam head. And it creates these little spikes. Now, other people, they clap. Like, you can clap twice, yep. and it spikes your your waveform. So you can see when you're editing all the spots that you want to edit out, and then just go back and cut those pieces out. And that, when I figured that out, I used to spend, it was like two to one, two minutes of editing for every one minute of recording. It took forever. Like, I'd record a 45-minute show, and I'd spend an hour and a half to two hours editing the thing. And what I first did when I first started, so don't do this. If you take nothing away else about editing, don't do this. You do not have to sit and listen to your entire show. I know it's tempting, but that is a huge time waste. So if you do the thing where you tap the mic or clap whenever there's a problem, and you just scroll through and find those and clip them out, saves you so much time. In between that, I tried this thing where I like sped up the recording to 1.75 time and that even still 
this way I found to be the best. So now it's about one to one. I've cut my editing time in half just by doing that. So that's huge. Um, so, you know, recording, applying the episode effects and then clipping out the little stuff and then I save it. I actually save. So I used to save my files as an MP3 file, but I don't do that anymore for a couple of reasons. One, um, an MP3 file is compressed, which is fine um, for the most part, but I use a tool called Levelator, L-E-V-E-L-A-T-O-R. So when I'm done, I export the audio file and then I just drop it into this tool and it helps even out any like weird, like I if I wasn't paying attention and um, moved my head back a little bit, um, it, w- it might sound a little quieter in some sections. So this kind of levels all that out. And, and the WAV file I exported as is uncompressed. That's what I actually, it's .wav. Hmm, cool. Is Levelator, do you have to pay for that or is that a free program? Nope, that's another wow. free one. Now, I don't know, it's called CN Levelator. And I don't remember if that um, is a tool that can be used on Mac. I know it's for Windows, mm-hmm but I don't know if it can be used for Mac. So, but it works really well. It's really simple. Like you don't, it doesn't even have any buttons or anything. Mm-hmm. And you just open it up, drag the file onto the program. It does its thing and then just gives you an output file and you're done. Hmm. Like you don't have to, you don't even click anything in it. It's super Very easy. Cool. I know another one yep. that a lot of people use, I think it's called Auphonic or something like that. Yes, uh, Auphonic, I've heard of yeah, that. Yeah, I think that's a similar thing, but they only give you a couple of hours free. Um, right. And then you it's have to pay for free. it. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah, and I've seen that, and it's good, but I find that this one works pretty well. The reason I use Levelator is because, like, especially, like, sometimes I'll cut in ads and things that I recorded at other times. Like, I do my own, I advertise my own stuff on my show. So, for my freebies and things, I'll cut those in. And just making sure that the audio sounds as similarly as possible. So, they're not, it's, it's, you don't want people jumping for their volume, yeah. out, right? That if somehow, like, especially getting too loud, like if you record one thing and then you cut in an ad and it's super, it's louder when you did it, like the gain was higher, people will jump and turn down their, their volume and that annoys people. So, you, I send it through Levelator just to kind of smooth that out so they don't get that. Mm-hmm. Love it. And then, as far as what you're actually editing out, you referenced over editing a couple of times. So, yes. so what are you, when, you, when you're going through and you're cutting your episodes, what are you actually cutting out and what are you keeping in and what's your, your kind of approach to that? Yeah. So I've kind of been systematizing more of my stuff. That's even a word. I've been creating systems out of my stuff even more, like just so I can keep, keep optimizing, keep slimming down the amount of time it takes me to edit stuff. And what I will say first is, if you have a habit of constantly saying, um, you know, you know, something like that, if you do it to a level that is going to annoy people and it will annoy people, then that's going to be something you're going to want to train yourself out of because that's going to be something you're going to have to sit and edit out every, um, I got to the point, not necessarily with me, but I've had to edit other audio where I could like pick out just the way the wave looked in the waveform, like the actual, you know, waveform from the audio file. I could pick out what the um looked like because I had to edit so many of them, <laughs> of them out. So you, you need to kind of get used to not doing that and slowing your speech down because that will cut your, your editing time down. But then from there, once you've gotten better about ums and ahs and that kind of stuff. Oh, like is another one. If you're saying like every five minutes, oh man, you're going to turn off an audience. <laughs> but yeah, that drives people crazy. So anyway, if once you get through that kind of startup of training yourself out of that habit, the next thing you want to edit out is if you ever come to like a, 
I don't I use this phrase very liberally catastrophic. Like you mess up something you're talking and you just lose your train of thought or you, you said a word so unpronounceably, you know, it's just something you can't understand. Then you're going to want to cut that stuff out just to make sure that everything flows every so often. I'll say, um, and that's fine. You know, it's, but as long as it's not excessive, any weird background noises, things like that, if, if like, you know, if a bird chirps every so often, like my cat will come up and he'll jump on my lap in the middle of recording and I will reference like on my show. Oh, my cat just jumped up. So if he says, you know, if he says hi, you'll hear him. Um, and that I'll leave in. That's fine. I'm a human. Human things happen around me. No problem. But if like, you know, somebody slams a door and it's really obnoxious, you'll want to cut that stuff out. So things like that or where you've completely lost your train of thought, those I'll cut out. One last thing that I've been doing is as I scan through my show looking for those spikes in my waveform by tapping the mic, I also look for gaps. As I'm thinking, sometimes I've noticed that there will be a gap of two seconds. If it's more than two seconds of silence, I will go and I will check that. Where it's actual full two seconds of silence, I check those gaps to see, okay, is this actually like it's like a pregnant pause Or is this like I lost my train of thought or something and it doesn't sound good and I will clip some of that out. But otherwise, if it's not one of my taps where I've actually like decided, okay, I need to I need to edit here. Or if it's not a two second or greater pause, I'm not editing it. Like I stopped doing all that because all that other stuff, again, it's just you're human. Mm -hmm. We don't have to be like perfection robots as we do this show. I actually think people appreciate when there's some real to your show. So You know, I think stressing too much about making it absolutely perfect and every second needs to be the best audio. It's not worth it. You know, you're going to burn yourself out if you try to do that and it's not going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great advice. I I love that you have kind of a system for it. You know, the funny thing is (laughs) I feel like I honestly black out when I'm recording. Like I, I, I need to work on that. Like I do not think about the editing process when I'm recording, especially when it's an interview, because I'm like very... And now I'm saying like every two seconds, but (laughs) (laughs) sorry, (laughs) I don't know. I have a lot of kind of social anxiety. So when I'm interviewing someone, I kind of freak out a little bit in my head. And so it's really hard for me to do that. But I think that's really important if you can sort of train your brain to start thinking of next up while you're recording it, it's going to make your process so much easier because I do, I do a lot of cleanup on mine, especially like I said, when it's an interview, because I get kind of nervous uh, so I do a lot of ums and likes and ahs. When it's solo, it's a little bit easier for me to do. But I think that's great advice. I completely agree with that with you, though. Like when I did my first couple interviews, I even still, I still get a little bit nervous doing interviews because as the host, you know, you're having someone on who's giving up their time mm-hmm. and you want to make sure that you come off as a pro and you're not wasting their time. And the, the, the so you've got a lot of things in your head, at least for me. I have, you know, okay, is the technical stuff going to be right? Does my audio sound good? Do I have good questions? Are they going to be, you know, there's all these things. And then you got to worry about how's their audio going to, you know, there's a lot of things. Yeah. And so sometimes it can be hard to narrow your focus to really home in on when the guest, especially on all those other little things. So I definitely find that guest episodes take me much longer to edit because of all of those factors. So that's something to expect. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, that's great advice. I feel like we could go on. I feel like I have so many more questions for you, but I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I feel like that was a really good, I guess for the the first half of podcasting, I, I would love to hear from you in the future about how you market your podcasts and all of that. Um, but we'll save that for another time, but sure. If you had to give 
one tip to the people listening to aspiring podcasters, what would you say your best tip is? Well, unfortunately, it's not something I haven't already said because this is the big one. It's the one I really went into at the very start of this conversation. Consistency, consistency, consistency. The second, you know, I try to, I haven't come up with an amazing analogy for this, but I try to get people to think about it outside of their own worlds or outside of the idea of podcasting in their own world where I say like, okay, imagine you're listening to a radio show in the morning, right? You're driving and every morning you, you turn on the radio and that show, that talk show is there. And then out of you know nowhere, something happens and then they're there on Tuesday, but not Wednesday. And then they're there for another week and then they're off for three days. How long do you think as an audience member of that show, are you really going to keep listening to that show? Probably not very often because we, as humans, we want that. We want, we, we find comfort in that routine, in the familiar. We don't want the show to come on and off and go and come and like, nah. It doesn't work, especially with podcasting. The second that you've become inconsistent, your audience is going to die off. You're, you're going you're gonna to see a drop in your traffic. You're not going to have that consistent growth. So that is by far the biggest thing for sure. But I, let me add, I know you said one, but I'm going to give you one more because this one's really important. I mentioned this one too at the beginning, but this is something that really freed me as I was starting my show and kind of diving into every number and every metric and how many listeners do I have and how many people are coming to my website and what is this, you know, all that data, those things are important. They give you kind of a signal as to how you're doing. But I read this and I, I was, I'm in a podcasting, a few podcasting groups on Facebook and somebody was talking about this and a comment on that. I have it screenshotted and I have saved it since this idea that for a podcast, if you're starting, like if you start with a platform that you've already got, like you had, you already had a blog or you already had like you are a big name business or whatever, then it's a little different, but it still applies to an extent. But if you're starting from scratch with no audience, um, besides the people that you know in your, like in your circle for a, a podcast to fully mature, it takes three years. So right. You're, you're committing to a show that's 52 times three. That's, a lot of content, but it also means that you don't have to be perfect right up front. It takes time to grow the show. So I tell people, I tell myself that all the time, like, okay, you're doing fine. Like you might not have a million downloads an episode like someone else does, but that's okay. I'm not going to compare my beginning or where I am to someone else's middle or, you know, late middle that that comparison game doesn't work. So two things, consistency, and it takes time. Give yourself some time. Love that advice. And I, and I would add to that last point too, I always tell people you can you can have success at having 500 downloads or 1000 downloads or whatever it is. I mean, yes. it's all about what success means to you, right? So, what do you want to do with that audience? Where do you want to take people? What do you want to provide them? How do you want to impact people's lives? Like I think it's important to define success on your own terms too. Yeah, 100 100- thousand percent I agree with that that just because somebody has you know I have some clients that think this that they they look at Instagram followers for instance um, and I had a, a guest on my show Shelby Moore who talked about this with with social and this applies all over the place that you have they look at someone who's got a hundred thousand followers and they're like oh man they're doing such amazing things they've got so many followers but how many of those people are actually legitimately engaging and how many of those people, if they're trying to monetize or go further with that, you know, if they're trying to make money off the show, how many people are buying? Because it's, you know, a lot of people, there are some people who have genuinely huge audiences and they make a lot of sales, but then there are others that they buy followers that are totally fake. And 
it's just a facade. They're not actually bringing in anything. So if you've got 500 completely engaged people in your audience or 100 or 30, that is significant, especially for someone who's trying to grow a show. I mean, it's significant for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So what can folks expect from you, from Easier, from Lightning, all your different projects uh, in the future? Is there anything big that you're working on or goals that you're trying to achieve? Yeah, actually. So a couple of things with Easier, like I said, today, the day I recorded my show, it's a Sunday, the day we're recording, and I just finished out season two of the show and I'm just about to pass the one year mark, which is awesome. So the if they're going to start listening to my show, which I would love it if you did, we talk about self-development and time management and organization and stuff like that. Uh, My favorite topics in the world to talk about Um, for the next two months. So for June and July of 2019, there we're going to, I'm going to be on hiatus, but I'm still going to be putting out little hacks. So I've been kind of keeping the like life hack stuff to these little episodes. So I've got stuff like this amazing, oh man, this is such, I blow people's minds with this. So I'm really excited. I'm not going to give it away right now, but it's a hack about how to filter your email. So you only, either you only see the stuff you really want to see, or you have a way, a quick, simple way to keep everything out that does not rely on Google or an algorithm to decide. You get full control. It's awesome. I'm I'm not going to give it away right now. Um, So they have to listen to the show if they want it. But then there's other stuff like I have a lot of laundry hacks for whatever reason. So like how to not have to iron your clothes or how to not use fabric softener. And there's a cheap and healthier alternative, stuff like that. Those are all my little episodes. And then I've got some big stuff um, planned for next season. And I'm ultimately looking, I think, to roll out some courses. I'd really love to to put out some of this in like a cohesive course. And that's kind of all in the works. And that overlaps with lightning in that some of the courses might be tech-based. So as you and I talked, kind of that, I gave you that real talk about how to keep your computer healthier and make sure that you're safeguarding your stuff. I might put that into a course that's, you know, pretty inexpensive. It's accessible, but it'll prevent people from having to take their computers to Best Buy and drop hundreds of dollars at Best Buy to get their computers fixed when they 100% could do them at home. And it's super possible. So that's some stuff to expect. I'm really excited. I've got lots of plans going forward. Awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing what you do. And uh, where can everyone find you and, and see what you, what you do in the future? Yep. So if they're looking for easier, there's a couple places. You can just go to my website. I've got a website for the show. It's easiercast.com. So E-A-S-I-E-R-C-A-S-T.com. Or they can find it on Facebook. If you just search easier, uh, easier podcast on Facebook, it should come up. That is where you can get everything related to that. You can also subscribe to easier on any podcasting platform you listen on. Whatever you're listening on right now, it will be SoundCloud, um, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple, Google, Spotify, any of those. I'm on all of them. And then Lightning, if you're looking for computer help, if you're looking to kind of do consultation about the stuff that we talked about, if you're looking for web design, any of that stuff, you can go to lightningdetroit.com. And it's just like it sounds, lightningdetroit.com. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Anthony. This was really helpful for me. And I know that my audience is going to really enjoy learning from you as well. So thanks for being on this show. And um, yeah, I'll catch you later. All right. Thank you so much. I had such a good time. So I look forward to having you back on my show. And I look forward to being back if you ever want to have me back. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And that's it for this episode of the Freelance Friday podcast. I hope you enjoyed. If you did, make sure to let me know. 
Rating this podcast is a huge help. And you can also tweet me at a journey east with comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes. Lastly, make sure to join my private Facebook group, Money Making Micro Influencer, if you're interested in elevating your influence and taking charge of your personal brand. There are so many like-minded, bright individuals in there, and it's a place I love to offer up free advice and a little bit of extra fun into. You can find it by searching Facebook for Money Making Micro Influencer. It'll also be linked in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.